You are listening to Proudly Resents. Oh, reason. I, I can't even hear you. Hi, this is Sammy Wazell. Uh, proudly Resents. The Cult Movie Podcast. The Adam Biggest Men Show. To all you Proudly Resents listeners out there, just remember, you can't sit on hospitality. Oh, really, can you hear me now? Yeah. I can hear great. We are two old men. What? What? We are uh, Don Amici and Wilford Brimley before they found the pool in Cocoon. And then drowned in it. It's Proudly That's Resents. Right. ProudlyResents.com. Sully Paul Sullivan is my guest. I'm Adam Spiegelman. He starts with a movie reference, uh, Cocoon 1. But this is a show where you would normally watch Cocoon 2 and comment on it. Um, you know, Paul, there's, actually, there's actually an interesting thing about the Cocoon sequel. Uh, this, I don't know why I know this. But the, know why you know this. the guy who wrote the original script for Cocoon was a guy named David Saperstein, um, who was not Catholic. And um, he wrote a script, and it was going to be a trilogy. Part one was going to be called Cocoon. Part two was going to be called Metamorphosis. And part three was going to be called Butterfly. And they, they sold the script to Cocoon. Eventually it was made the Ron Howard film. I, liked the, I, I haven't seen it for a long time. I remember liking it when I saw it. Huge hit. And he said, okay, I have the sequel written. They showed, him the, they showed the sequel to the producers, and they took one look at it and said, no, no, we're going to film what we call Cocoon the Return, which is basically just Cocoon. It's just basically the same damn movie. And so this guy had spent all this time writing this elaborate trilogy that like it got more and more kind of spiritual. And then they said, no, no, we're, we're here to make some bucks here. And I think he published them as like as like sci-fi novels, but they're out there. So that's something you can that's something you can share with your loved ones over the breakfast nook. I do remember reading the novelization of both Cocoon and E.T. Remember they used to make novelizations of movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's, uh, that was uh, you felt like you can say you know did you like Cannonball Run? Oh, the book was better. I like the book better. <laughs> right, and, and be telling the truth. Yeah, I'm just right. You sit there and you're, 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 I'm doing my reading. I'm reading about, uh, you know, Dom DeLuise and, you know, Burt Reynolds driving across the country in an ambulance. So, Paul Sullivan, besides knowing everything about every movie, including Cocoon and Cocoon 2 and Cocoon 3, apparently, <laughs> uh, Paul hosts uh, Sully Baseball, which was celebrating the 1,000th episode. Yeah, that's and 1,000th so, is going up on July 20th, so there you go. So you do this every single day? Every day. You put up seven days a week. You're kind of like Baseball on Fire, which is a joke for people who understand the show Entrepreneur on Fire. Yeah. I, he I, does a show every day. Well, I, I'm going to talk baseball every day. I'm always talking about it. And I do it for 20 minutes. It's not like I do a two-hour podcast every day. It's usually it's about 20 to 25 minutes. And I'm like in the middle of January, during the Super Bowl, I want to talk baseball. You know, during Christmas, I want to talk baseball. And so I, it's, my, it's an outlet for me. There's always something that's on my mind about it. And I get guests on, and I find I do evergreen podcasts. So it's like, geez, I have nothing to do today. Thank God I have this interview I can throw on. But uh, but most of the time, there's like, man, something's bothering me or something's got me wired up or anything. And and I used to just say it out loud in my car, you know, by myself. And I said, why don't I just record this? Because some of the stuff I was saying was actually kind of funny. 
And that, but it's also like it's only funny for that day. I mean, there's sometimes stuff happens, and and it's like, all right, you know, tomorrow this won't be funny. So I'll just I'll do this. And it's actually a podcast you produced, Adam Spiegelman, was my template, which was Dream was Tweet. That? that I listened to Dream Tweet, which you did with John Corbett, and those were about twenty minutes. And I loved the length of it. It was just sort of like, like you know, I got to run an errand. I'll listen to a dream tweet, as opposed uh-huh. to, you know, you listen to some podcasts and it's like, okay, we're now in hour five of talking about the Milwaukee Brewers infield, and it's like, oh for God's sake, just get to the get to the point. And so I did that. I, doing that, I started in October of 2012. I haven't missed a day. And on July 20th, it will be, uh, we'll post. Number one thousand. We're doing. We're we're taping number one thousand a couple of days ahead of time. We're going to do it in front of a studio audience in Palo Alto, and that's. You found be- a place. Yeah, yeah. That's a place which actually does a lot of public access television. That I'm going to use one of their studios, Perfect. and we're gonna we're gonna videotape it. So I'm, I'm going to be you know I'm going to have a video recording of it. I'm going to have a I'm going to have an audience. I'm going to be there, and and you know just simple you know kind of like you know a you know backdrop and you know, a little desk and me be just, chairs you know, chairs and you know they're not gonna be on bean bags you know but uh no, no. And, like a uh, back like a chair with a back and, and maybe yeah. like yeah and i'm gonna have but now will it be four legs or will it be like a leg in the middle and four in the bottom we're working on that we have uh i'm, I'm designing the set right now and it's going to be very intricate and by designing it, I mean, I'm going to go in there and say, can we use that table? Is that table available? Just <laughs> drag it over, you know. I, right, that's how public access works. It's public access, but they're, they've, been, they're very, they've been very generous at the, uh, the Mid-Peninsula Community Media Center in Palo Alto, which they've been very generous in helping me set it up. So it's going to be fun. You know? and, and, and I've had some people say they like the podcast, even though they're not huge baseball fans, and I do funny things. I did a story the other day about me taking a walk in the woods in Washington State and communing with nature and coming face to face with the deer and feeling really this kind of spiritual feeling. And someone sent me a text message saying that Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals was throwing a no hitter. And I just ran like immediately like that deer was like just startled because this, this lunatic started running because I don't care about the deer. I don't care about nature. I'm the, there's a no hitter. And, you know, I talk about these things and I've had my wife, who's not a baseball fan on the show, asking questions like, why can't the catcher sit on a chair? And uh, I've never had a good answer. Why for is that. that? I don't know. No? I, I can't. She stumped me. I have no good answer for that. So, but, you know, it's, it's, I, I, would do, I would do catcher. The game is already. I mean, I'm saying this to Sully Baseball over here, but come on, it's like it's like a low power cricket. I mean, it couldn't get any slower. You literally stop and you stand. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. So why not give a guy a chair? You know why not? Well, what a bar stool for the pitcher. Well, my wife said to give him like a tiny stool, like a little stool for him to sit on, like you know about this high. You know what? You know what's regulation okay? One of those canes that you can flip out into a stool, like for um, older people. Have you said older people that always sit on lines? You know, it's like yeah, a little yeah. stool. Yeah, you see you them a lot at Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. I think that would work for the baseball. Then I would play. Otherwise, <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's the one thing keeping you away from baseball is your ability to sit down. Like you know, you'd be there. You'd be there. You'd be you play. When we found out my wife was pregnant, uh, I said either 
it doesn't matter the sex of the kid. It's still going to throw like a girl because uh, I'm not a, a sports person. <laughs> but we are. So maybe we'll get to the plot of this show, which is you talking about baseball movies. You're a movie fanatic. You, I am. You filmed a movie called I'll Believe You. Yep. Not true. First time caller, I'll Believe You. Yeah, well, it's it, it shooting title was uh, First Time Caller, but it was released under the title I'll Believe You. And you know what? I love both titles. How do you find I'll Believe You? Uh, you can find it. It's on, on Amazon. Uh, you can find it on, uh, I, I know we were on Netflix for a while. Um, just, I know, we're on, I, on, you're, we're on Amazon. Right. And I, believe you can go to, um, I believe we're streaming on Amazon as well. So just type in I'll Believe You and Ed Helms. Slow down, slow down. Go to my website, prowlerresents.com slash sullybaseball, and you can buy it through our website, and I'll get like a dollar fifty out of it. Ed Helms is in it. Who else? A lot of big stars. Uh, the star was David Allen Bache, who's you, you would reckon he's been yeah, in that a was a bit. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why'd you start there? Patrick Warburton. Um, there you go. Uh, Fred Willard's in the film. Uh, Thomas Gibson's in the film. A uh, great actress named Siobhan Fallon, who you recognize. Um, you had uh, Mo Rocca has a cameo in it. Chris Elliott has a cameo in it. Chris Elliott. That's uh, why people are seeing it. Yeah. He's great. He's amazing. Chris Elliott sitting on a live alligator is in our movie. There. Sold. Yeah, it's very funny. So there you go. I mean, yeah. I think what, whatever Fallon. Is she, she's on stuff, right? What yeah, yeah. She she's been in uh, Men in Black. She was in Forrest Gump. She was a, a semi-regular. On, she did a bunch of episodes of Seinfeld. You know her. She, she's wonderful. And, and you'll get a kickback, a couple of bucks, which is more than I made after the release of the movie. So you're going to profit <laughs> from, I'll believe you more than me. After so. all of this, the $7 I make off of this sell. Hey, so uh, you're a filmmaker. You love yep. baseball. So yep. why don't you come on the show and talk about, to celebrate your 1,000 episode, but basically to talk about baseball films. Yeah. And you love lists. I do. I do. I'm, yes. a, I'm, a, I'm an avid list writer. Uh, I was coming up with you... We can talk about we can make this dull and talk about the great baseball movies. Why stop now? <laughs> and you know, there's you know, whenever you talk about the great baseball movies of all time, it, you're always going to come up with the same ones. I mean, in various orders, you're going to have you know, Bull Durham's going to be on it, The Natural's going to be on it, uh, uh, Field of Dreams will be on it, Eight Men Out will be on it, and there's there's Bang the Drum slowly will be there. Bad News Bears will be there. Some people would have, uh, some people put Major League, some people put League of Their Own, but you know, it's like, okay, we, there, we got it. There, there's some good, there's some damn good ones. Uh, Moneyball is a real, I like Moneyball a lot, but I, I really, Moneyball is a great movie where nothing happened, but I was still excited. Yeah. And, and a team that, that loses in the first round of the playoffs too. Um, a Major League is a weird one because it should have, I mean, it was a big hit. It's weird because it, it really didn't age well. It really didn't age well. I mean, there's still funny parts to it, but man, like Tom Berenger's like a creepy stalker in the film. And there's, you know, there's, there's the, the baseball scenes are just absurd. And what I love about the movie, I know you're not a sports fan, but the city in real life, the city of Cleveland has not seen a championship, not a basketball championship, a football championship, a baseball championship, no championship of any kind since 1964. They're just the entire city has never just they've not they've not won anything. And what I love about Major League is that you have these absurd baseball scenes, including a left fielder who does voodoo 
okay? And it implies that some of the voodoo works. But the Indians don't win the World Series at the end of the movie. And so it's like, we could stretch reality. We can have a voodoo outfielder. We can have all this craziness. But, you know, we got we got to stop the craziness at the Indians winning the World Series. And we got to have that some... Won't buy. Yeah, come like on. I, we'll we'll, we'll buy we'll buy the, the the making offerings to voodoo, but not the Indians winning at all. I just can't. They can't do it. It's not a sci-fi film, Sully. No, it's a, the it's weird. The, they made believe it. I they made two sequels to Major League. Major League Two actually has a couple of funny scenes in it. It's not good, but there's it's one of those. If it was a f- seven-minute movie, it would have been good. Uh, <laughs> if it was a Funny or Die video, it would be fine. Uh, the, yeah, and it had more celebrities in it. Exactly. Who would work for free. The, uh, uh, <laughs> is there a celebrity? That, it's funny. Um, celebrities are funny. I didn't know if you know that. Or, but uh, If people don't know, you, you clicked on the funny button. Yes, that's right. Your finger. Uh, the, the third Major League film was called Major League Back to the Minors, which I thought was a strange title because it's Major League. So if they're in the minor leagues, then it's not a, they're not in the major leagues. Why why do you just call it minor leagues? It was like uh, Larry the Cable Guy plays an exterminator. And like, yeah, Larry got, the la, Cable la, Guy. La, the ex- yeah, Larry the Cable Guy. What was it? Uh, pest license license exterminators. Yeah, it's like he already had yeah. a job. It was he was employed by the cable. <laughs> no wonder he's terrible. He's also a cable guy. I know. Well, while you're here killing bugs, could you uh, give me some free HBO? But I I wanted to. I started thinking that there's, there have been some films that should have been great. There have been some baseball films that, you know, to, to use a terrible baseball metaphor, where it's a swing and a miss. So it should have been, should have been great. They like all the ingredients were there, and they they, they whiffed. And then there's one film which is uh, a baseball film that has a zero percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes that I saw in the theater. And that is, I will compare it to the Jerry Lewis Hitler clown movie. Uh, what was the those? What was that? The the day the, the clown, day the, clown the, the clown cried, the the film that uh, no one's seen, except apparently Harry Shearer saw it. I don't know if you heard that in an interview. He saw it, but anyway. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I started okay. thinking about the the uh, the the. Baseball films that should have been great, but um, were bad, and then the one which is so bad that it 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 almost just defies. <laughs> you can give me a list of movies that were swing baseball movies that were swing and a miss. Right, I'll give you three. Isn't good because that's going to be our title of the show because it's a great title. Okay, I'll give them the three the three that SEO. I the three that I thought of. There's and by the way, there's a couple that I just I saw. Well, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you just say the word Mark Marin a few times to help my SEO? Okay, um, Mark Marin and by the way, did you know Mark Marin uh, auditioned for Saturday Night Live? He had a meeting with uh, yeah. Lauren Michaels and didn't yeah. go well. Yeah, it was the first you know thing what? he asked President Obama was, uh, "Did you know <laughs> that uh, I auditioned for Saturday Night Live?" I wanted Live. to know how soon it was going to take him to ask the president who were his guys. Yeah, which he did about thirty minutes in every episode. It's like, "Who are your guys? Who are your guys? Baseball, silly. Well, who are your guys?" That's very <laughs> annoying. But it's a good show. So anyway, back to you. Yeah, back to the, what's our list? Um, the the so most like baseball, 1, the most disappointing baseball movie I've ever seen in my there there have been a few that I watched a few minutes of. I said, you know what? I'm not going to finish this movie. Um, like what? Like uh, Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck. 
Uh, I like Tom. Oh. I like Tom Selleck. I thought the premise was a nice premise that he was this baseball player. This was something that actually happened a lot in the late '80s, early '90s. That yeah, washed he washed up players used to go to Japan to make some extra money. Yeah, you know, they, you know they're like they can't make it in the majors anymore, so they'll make a few million dollars in Japan, and that was a very popular thing to do for a while. And Selleck is was he just looks like a baseball player, and it's like he he was you know great casting, and I got like. 15 minutes into the film, I said, no, this is just not, I'm not, someday they're going to lower me into the ground in a box and I don't want to spend more time in this earth watching Mr. Baseball. Uh, and the other was the slugger's wife with, uh, uh, what's it? The, he played Danny Noonan in Caddyshack. He was also in the, the great Santini. Uh, what's his name? Noonan. Uh, Michael O'Keefe. Is that was it? Is that who it was? Yeah. Yeah. He was a, he plays a slugger on the Braves and I found it to be sad because Neil Simon wrote the script. It was also the last movie by Hal Ashby, who's a director I love, you know, did shampoo. He did Harold and Maude being there. A lot of, you know, last detail, a lot of great movies that he made. And this was his last film. And it just clearly was a director for hire and not putting his back into it. And I just like, you know, I don't need to finish this movie, but the 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 most the two most disappointing baseball films I saw, Cobb, uh, which was the film with Tommy Lee Jones playing Ty Cobb. Now I don't know if you know anything about Ty Cobb. He is a fascinating character. He is a horrible human being. He was a great baseball player. Like he was so racist that people in the 1900s and the 1910s. We're saying, dude, you are racist. I mean, this is this <laughs> For is racist. He was racist. Yeah, in a we, time we, we owned. Think about it. One generation or so ago, they were owning slaves. Yeah, yeah. And they're calling this guy racist. Yeah, he was playing in a segregated league, in places where where blacks could not vote in certain parts, and were getting there was horrible, horrible treatment of them. And they and he stood out. He stood out in that. Like there were like there were guys who were like sons of Confederate soldiers saying, "Dude, calm down." You know, and he but it, he also was just this this incredibly charismatic, angry player who was this wild, weird drunk as an old man carrying around like a revolver and being this lunatic. And the movie starred Tommy Lee Jones, who's obviously, he's a great actor. And this is Tommy Lee Jones on the heels of uh, uh, The Fugitive. And it was the director of Bull Durham and a real life story of a sports writer who idolized Cobb, was hired to write his biography and spent like five days with him. And at the end of it was like, I gotta get away from this crazy son of a bitch. I mean, that was the real thing that happened. And... I'm going to say something very mean to someone whom I met was very nice to me. But Robert Wall played the sports writer and he was way in over his head dramatically that he had to carry a lot of the film as an actor. And he just was he was just outclassed. So you had Tommy Lee Jones in a movie and he let Robert Wall carry the movie. More or less. I mean, look at when Robert Wool is in a part like his part in Bull Durham. He's hilarious in Bull Durham, and he's the same director. He's really good in his small part in Good Morning Vietnam. Like if you go, okay, Robert, you're going to be this guy doing these three lines. He'll nail it. He'll do a good job. When he has to carry something, you have Arliss. 
you know? He he was yeah. in even in over his head in Batman when he was like, "You're going to be the comedy relief." He's like, "No, he, he can't." Reporter there too. Yeah, and he but he, he he didn't quite work because it was like you know he just improv something, Robert. You know, you always get the sense that just off screen, is just, um, um, just make something up. You know, and it was like, no, no, it doesn't work. And it was really, I mean, I'm throwing a lot of it at Robert's feet, but you know, it was just kind of like you wish that. You know, an actor with a little more chops was playing this part. Even someone like Kevin Pollack, which sounds like I'm consulting, but it's like, you know, Kevin Pollack had a little more, he was kind of a similar on-screen persona and has a little more range. And this was a very frustrating movie because you felt if it were two good actors bouncing off of each other, it would have been great. But instead, I mean, there got to a point like 25 minutes. I saw it in the theaters. I was very excited to see it. And there was a point about 25 minutes into the movie, I just thought, oh, no, this is it's not going to get better. This is this is just, you know, you know, you get that feeling like in the last Indiana Jones film, it happened about 15 seconds into it. It was like, oh, shit, this is going to be awful. Oh, the second Indiana Jones film that happened. But but oh, I, I like Temple of Doom. I like uh, Temple. Don't rewrite history. I no, 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 no. It is not. Look, if you excuse the fact that the plot makes no sense. A, and the characters are terrible. Z, there B, are there are four or five action sequences in Temple of Doom that are great. That are uh-huh. great. You know, the, the scene where the spikes are coming down on them, that's a great scene. The scene where they have to jump out on the boat. Come on, there's about four or five really... Cutting the rope bridge in half is a cool scene. I mean, come on. It made no yeah, sense. Oh, it was ridiculous. All right, but okay. Yeah. But we... It, it, it's not even an opinion, it's a fact that the fourth one was unwatchable. Um, but I got that moment like about 25 minutes into Cobb. I was like, ah, shit. I was really, I was waiting for a great movie. And then I stuck through it to the end. And at the end, I was like, well, that's, uh, I'll eventually be dead and I'll never get this time back. Um, but uh, the other one actually came out, I think it came out the same year, was The Scout. I don't know if you remember The Scout. But that was with uh, Albert Brooks, and who I I love Albert Brooks. And this was coming off of Defending Your Life, which I thought was a great movie. And Brendan Fraser, who, you know, use Brendan Fraser properly, and he's good. You know, you don't cast him as Hamlet, but if you want to play kind of a big, goofy guy, he can play that well. And I'm like, it's a baseball movie from the guy who directed... Uh, Bad News Bears. They have great cameos in it. Albert Brooks wrote, co-wrote the script. And I'm going, this is, and the preview made me laugh. And I thought, okay. And, I, and again, I walked into that theater, and it was uh, the scene in Annie Hall of, uh, I wonder how long I can sit here with a smile frozen on my face. You know, it's like the worst is a comedy that, that disappoints, because you're like, any minute now, this is going to really be great. And you're like, Especially Albert Brooks because he's so dry that you 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 kind of forgive him because it's going to get better. Yeah. Because it's going to be hilarious, and then when it's not, you're like, oh, that was a waste of my time. Three of my favorite movies of all time are Real Life, Modern Romance, and Lost in America. I just think those films are just. Yeah, but three terrible films are uh, Making Comedy in a Muslim World, whatever that movie was. Yeah. His last movie, and then you know he's made some. Oh, not good. Film. I think this was the moment for me that it was like, oh, no, oh, no, no. Al, you know, it's like you could do wrong. 
I thought Mother was okay. I know a lot of people went gaga for it. Um, but Mother after that, good. you know, after that, I just, you know, I mean, I don't think he owes me a damn thing, but it's like, but it, I feel it, like... you know, it's when you do, there's also when you do stuff in a baseball film that is so absurd, that is just so like, okay, he throws the ball 116 miles an hour so hard that it knocks the catcher over. You know, I it just it takes well, me. In fairness, the catcher's in a chair. That's true, that's true. Yeah. But it just it takes me out of it. You know, it's kind of like. Was it written by people who didn't know baseball? That's I guess so. Did it feel that way? It really felt that way, but I was just, yeah. I, you know, you had George Steinbrenner in the film playing George Steinbrenner. It wasn't like in in Seinfeld you just see the back of his head. They had Steinbrenner in the film. They shot it in Yankee Stadium. Look like it had this great look to it, and you just felt like. Yeah, I heard Albert Brooks saying that they changed the ending, and he said the ending was bullshit, and it was bullshit. The ending was horrible, but yeah, the, rest I, that, of the movie wasn't good. I mean, he, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was more than the, the it was more than the ending. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I laughed. There was two scenes that I laughed in, but I think they were I think they were early enough in the film where I was just being so forgiving. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, I think Albert Brooks. You get it's like when you see a comic you really like go up on stage and. He gets. He knows he gets the first, you know, few minutes free that people right. wanted to laugh, and right. then they got to be good. So Albert Brooks, I feel like the Muse is another one that was just awful. Did you uh, see and, that? And and like and like that, it had amazing people who like doing cameos and they like Scorsese had a small part in the film, and it was like, you know, I'm not that. I guess not that celebrity cameos make the movie, but like there were great cameos it's in Funny or Die. Well, it, there were some great cameos in. Defending your life, but they were things that added to the comedy. Like Shirley MacLaine had a very funny cameo in Defending Your Life. Oh, it was really, but yeah, and and it, it, you'd forgive something like that because it was a great movie. Yeah, it was a well-written yeah. movie, and 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 everything. Real Life had no cameos that I can think of, and it was great. That Real Life is one of those movies that was like twenty years ahead of its time. You know, the 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 trailer for Real Life. Have you ever seen the trailer for Real Life? No. It doesn't include one shot from the movie. It's all about Albert Brooks. This is this is the film's going to be in 3D, and oh, yeah, yeah. and it says you know, 3D 3D glasses not at theater. But he he's act he's doing the stuff where he's like reaching towards the camera and throwing stuff. And a, a guy with two paddle balls, uh, you know the the paddle balls, you know with the the rubber band attached, to it starts walks in and starts doing it right into the camera. And and the whole thing has that 3D look where it's like like yellow and and blue and kind of separated, and it is a hilarious trailer. It's just bonkers. Look at this. I'm, I'm talking more. That's how bad uh, the scout was. Is it makes me want to talk about real life. So let's. Uh, what else, what was the other film? What was the one well? I'll just say I want to throw one other thing before the worst one. There's there a lot of times they make biopics. Like Cobb was a shitty biopic. Of a base, I don't. You know, the only one remotely worth watching of a biopic of a baseball player I can think of is, uh, you know, prior to the Yankees. And even then, I'm not a big Gary Cooper fan. But like, I thought 42 was a mess, uh, and the uh, and you know, Fear Strikes Out was a mess. And they've made they, the Babe Ruth movie. There have been two Babe Ruth movies that are so bad that you just, you want to curl up in a ball. One was the one with John Goodman. I love John Goodman, but it just, the film was just crap. It was just, if, if, if it was not made for TV, it was like made for community access television. It was just the. Hey, hey, 
I'm going to put this out before you do your recording at the Community Access Television, so don't bust on them too All right, hard. maybe I shouldn't do that, but the, there's the, the film that's almost... Full Frontal? You know, I kind of have Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, that movie, out of my <laughs> head, you know? Isn't it, there a scene, though, where he's swimming me? Yeah, in a, in a pond I, or I don't. I don't think you see John's Goodman, but uh, it's. Uh, I, it's batter's not up. Yeah, his Sultan of Swat, but the the film that's almost worth dugout. <laughs> the film that's almost worth talking about because it's so bad that it, it's 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 breathtaking is the Babe Ruth story that was made in I'm going to guess 1946 47 where William Bendix plays Babe Ruth. And it is so incompetent that, first of all, William Bendix looks nothing like Babe Ruth, sounds nothing like Babe Ruth, acts nothing like Babe Ruth. He treats Babe Ruth essentially as if he's a, a, an, an idiot man-child. And he does things like, you know, there's a, 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 he hits a line drive that hits off a dog, and he leaves the game to take the dog to a hospital or something crazy like that and the little kid whose dog it was grows up to be a doctor who operates on babe and their kids outside doing a vigil and they basically it's babe ruth as jesus essentially and they have a babe ruth death scene at the end babe ruth was still alive when the film was made that's uh that must have been and i hope you can take a hint yeah he died like a year later but everyone knew it but it was like it, it was it was surreal but the worst would be weird I think to go it, see a movie about yourself and you're dead. In, yeah, in the end. <laughs> he's had his own funeral. Uh, I saw. I just wanted to say, I saw Ed in the movie theaters. Uh, I don't know if you know what Ed is. Do you know what Ed is? Sure, of course I do. Ed is a film starring Friends, Matt LeBlanc, and a chimpanzee. Who's who? Could you tell? No, I, I think that. Uh, it's funny when you see the poster for Ed. It says Matt LeBlanc, and it's over the monkey. Yeah, it's over the chimp. Um, so you know. Yeah. the 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 premise is is that um, Matt LeBlanc plays a country boy pitcher, which of course, right there, I'm out. You know, he, he's like doesn't look like he grew up on a farm, and he's not pitching. Hey, one. the farm in Jersey. Hey, I got the farm. What do you what, forget about it? I'm a farmer. What's and, this cow over here? Yeah, but Sorry. for whatever reason, and, and I'm sure it was it it, it adhered to the three act structure. Um, a, a, a chimpanzee is brought to the team, and they become great friends. And the chimpanzee can play third base perfectly, and the team takes off when they feel the chimpanzee at third, and he learns the meaning of friendship through the chimp. And chimpanzee plays third base, right? Yes. Plays What's third. his name? And Matt LeBlanc is a pitcher, and he starts pitching really well. And there's a weird cameo with Tommy Lasorda. That was their big get, was they're going to get Tommy Lasorda. And he says these lines, which you know were just fed to him by the, an AD just off camera. And he's, he's like in the stands, and the scenes where Tommy's talking are lit completely different from where everyone else is. So it's obvious they, Tommy gave him 10 minutes of his time. I'll, you know, I'll do this line. Get, just tell me the lines. And like, you know, he, he was there for, you know, the, you know, I think he was there shorter than Burt Reynolds was there for the third Smokey and the Bandit film. And if, if for those of you who don't know, uh, he appears in one shot, one 
setup for Smoking the Bandit 3, uh, Burt Reynolds. But They would have Skyped to seen it. Yeah, pretty much. If it was shot now, yeah. Uh, I, I, I saw it in the theaters, I think because, and I know I don't have to tell you this, There's, it was like a day I was like movie hopping. It came out in 96, I was kind of like jumping from theater to theater, and it was like the next movie playing after like Twister or something like that. And like, I was there with my girlfriend at the time, and I'm like, let's let's sneak in, like you know, let's just let's see the shittiest film we can possibly see, and we did. I mean, this film Ed came out when when Friends was kind of at its, you know, at its peak, you know, at its most frenzy, and uh, and so it felt like this was a it was less of a movie and more of like a dare. Like, we got to get, a, we have LeBlanc signed. We have to make a film with him. His hiatus period is running out. Do we have any script that's ready to go? Well, there's this one about a chimp. Well, we got to just start rolling. You know, it just, it sounds, it felt like a... Are deep- you sure it wasn't the other way around? What? They're like, listen, the chimp is available for two months. Do we have anything around? Yes. <laughs> well, there's a movie about a, a Jersey baseball player who lives in, from the country. Of uh, Oklahoma. Well, all right, let's put it together. And what I I thought when I was watching the film, and and it's it's, you know, there are some actually some decent actors in the film. I mean, most. I mean, the biggest one is is Jack Warden is in the film, and Jack Warden. Was yeah, a, Jack Warden is a great actor, but he did a lot of shit. He did tons of he, shit. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he like uh, maybe he supplied a, a school in Africa. Maybe, you know, that's what he needed the money for. But he just did a lot of shitty movies and TV shows. Another one is uh, another person in this film who I'm sure, uh, I, you know, I would love it if people referred to this when he was brought on to a, a talk show, is uh, Jesus himself, Jim Caviezel, is in the movie. He plays one of the, the base. He does not play the chimp. Um, he, plays, uh, he plays one of the players. Forgive me, I don't remember all the plot of Ed. But... What? Actually, that's kind of bad. You should know the whole plot of Ed. It's not, it shouldn't be that hard. There is like the monkey almost dies at one point, and that's the you know the beginning of the third the act. Overdose? No, he's frozen in a frozen banana truck. After oh yeah, of course. after uh, after um, like gangsters steal him. I mean, it mm-hmm. just was kind of like we got. What are we gonna do? We got a monkey. Okay, now what? Uh, he uh, now he goes on a date. I mean, it just. What it, it felt like a, a movie that Joey would have been in, you know, like that. And that's what I thought it should have been. They should when when they finally saw this film on the screen, they just just said no, no, it's this this can't be released. And no, what, it was like a like a joke movie, right? Like, right. And it was the... like at, at at some point someone should have said, okay. St- Stop camera! What the hell are we doing? What What are we doing? I mean, like, what? Why are we with this? Why are we with friends and and the Ed? But you know, Jack Warden goes, "All right, everyone, keep shooting. I got seven more shitty films to do. You got to keep going, keep going." He was looking at this. Well, it's no problem, child. But I I wish what they did. I actually remember thinking this when I saw the film was, you know, because Joey, his character in Friends, was an actor. Was like this struggling actor. And I wish that the, the, the producers realized that the best thing they could have done with this film is never release it. 
and sell it to the producers of Friends. And like you just see snippets of it throughout the seasons, like so that this was a film that Joey, the one film that he starred in is he played a movie with a third base playing chimp, which sounds like a premise from the from Friends. And when I saw the poster for Cop Out, which was Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis, I thought this could be great. Is this a 30 Rock gag where Tracy Jordan is in a movie called Cop Out? Yeah. By the way, that was one of my favorite things about 30 Rock are the posters of the the Tracy Morgan's characters uh, appeared in in the background that they I don't think they ever focused on, but one was called Who Dat Ninja. <laughs> right, that was my favorite. <laughs> Who Dat Ninja. But if they had like throughout the seasons, you sprinkle another scene from Ed is appears on the TV and the, and then someone makes a reference to it. I think that's that's where it was like the 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 clown who cried. This should have been a film that they said, look, it, this is not a big budget movie. We're going to take the loss on it. Let's sell it to friends. They'll cut it up. They'll make it part of the show. They'll make it part of the gag. And we'll all we'll all get our dignity back. Instead, Ed exists. It has a zero percent rating on Rock you compared this to uh, the infamous Nazi clown yes. movie. Yes. Yeah. I make right. no. I don't apologize for that. I don't apologize for that. I believe that that's an apt comparison. Um, if maybe, you saw the if you saw the day the clown died, yes. the Jerry Lewis clown Nazi film, will you then admit that the Holocaust happened, or are you going to keep denying it? Uh, I only believe in things I've seen myself. Wow, you are a cold, cold man. <laughs> well, I, Let I anyone know that anyone who doesn't listen to my podcast know that I am I do not do any Holocaust denying on the show. I mess with half of it right after the show in the car. <laughs> you, now you drive to work. What do you talk to yourself about in the car now? How you how much the Holocaust did not happen? I'm not Nico. I'm not Nico. <laughs> She's the one. I forgot. <laughs> what the hell is the matter with you? You're I'm right, start, you're so right. I'm going to start speaking person. like that. I'm going to start speaking and sounding Welsh. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there've been a bunch of other really bad baseball films, but most of the times they just bore me because, you know, the, the it's just I'd rather watch a real baseball game. You know, like I, I, I saw the movie For Love of the Game with uh, Kevin Costner and. Um, What's his face? J.K. Simmons is the manager, perfectly cast. And, and uh-huh. I saw that movie with our mutual friend, Julia Sharp, whenever that film came out. It must have been, I'm going to say 2000, 2001. So long ago, his name was uh, John Goldblatt. Yeah, back when he was John Goldblatt. And yeah. the film takes place over nine innings uh, of this perfect game. And as he's throwing this perfect game, uh, he's having flashbacks of all the points of his life. It, it's... It's it's eerily similar to Walk Hard, the 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 film by with uh, you know John C. Riley, you know the whole parody of the the musical biopics. It was it was like that. It's like oh, and you know in the fourth inning, it's like you hear the announcer going, "And uh, no balls, two strikes," and Kevin Costner is thinking about his ex girlfriend. It's like you're sitting there, oh Christ, and and and. At, you know, at one point, I just remember leaning over to Julie and said, we're only in the sixth inning. We've got three more innings to go of this. And 
you know, it, it, it just was another kind of absurd that they did absurd baseball things that they just immediately take me out. Like he's 39 years old and he's about to be traded to another team. And I look like, no, no team would want a 39 year old pitcher at the end of the year. And so like, like I, I just little things like that just take me out of the movie, like the, the rookie of the year movie where the kid, you remember that one where uh, the, the kid like falls and he has surgery on his arm. And then after surgery, he can throw the ball like 110 miles an hour, and he gets signed by the, he gets signed by the Cubs. It's directed by Daniel Stern, and Daniel Stern's in the film, and the film like the kid who plays the kid's fine, and and there's some other actors. I mean Albert Hall and a couple of the good actors are in it. Daniel Stern overacts in trying to be comedic. He's almost like a Kabuki character in the middle of this film. He's just so like like in another movie that like, but he's the director. So who's going to say, you know, Daniel, tone it down a little bit. You're, you don't even look like you're in the same universe. But, you know, then they did things like, oh boy, his, he can't throw the super fast pitch anymore. What are they going to do? Well, take him out of the game and bring in another pitcher. What the hell, that's, that's what you would do. But, you know, you I, I say... The movie I, like it's a real baseball game. Yeah, well, if I'm going to get into the game... Do you know what weirdly yeah. is one of the the, the, the the terrible baseball movies that I found myself, I've watched from beginning to end twice in my life, um, and why I, I couldn't finish Mr. Baseball, but I finished The Kid from Left Field with Gary Coleman and Robert Guillaume twice. Wow. I mean, mainly because it's so terrible, but it's also, it's, it's fascinatingly terrible. It's, it, it's, uh, what? How do you find that film? It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It was a made-for-TV movie when Gary Coleman was at his peak. Oh, I know. I was obsessed with Gary Coleman. And he was everything. He was the manager of the San Diego Padres, and the owner was played by an absolutely shit-faced Ed McMahon. <laughs> well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's so really amazing. That, and then we're another one where he's an angel. Another one where he's a rich kid. Yeah, then there's the one where he like interacts with like he's like has these fantasies like he's with stormtroopers and he's kind of like Indiana Jones. I forget which one that was. That was kind of at the end of it. I forgot he made a bunch of movies. Yeah, yeah. I saw all of them. Yeah, um, uh, Amadeus no, was also he played he, he was Mozart. Gary Coleman. In, little known fact he was he was uh, he was good. Great movie, great movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had a lot of range. Yeah, it really. Um, just unbelievable performance by Gary Coleman. Just broke your heart doing the whole Mozart's Requiem at the end. Never got the credit for it. No, no, he played it himself. Yeah. You know, he played it himself. <laughs> There's no body double. Uh, he was also what, in body what, double. What, little known fact. Uh, Gary Coleman was in body double. Body right? double? The film. He was in body double. Yeah. He was not who you think he was. No, no. no. Like, all Brian, um, like all Brian De Palma films. <laughs> what uh, Could you do a baseball film without the cliche of the announcer could you could and, and does that does that announcer make it feel more like a baseball game yes or does it feel like just, oh it does so without well, it you would it's feel funny. like less one of the scripts that my brother and i wrote that we tried to sell at one point was a script that uh, you know i conceived of and we worked together was about baseball announcers because i always thought that that would be an interesting story to, to be following these guys who travel with the team and and you know, like I would see some movies like in Major League, the best part was Bob Euchre as the, the announcer. He's the best part of the movie. Well, I and, feel like if you can't get Bob Euchre, then who, who do you get? You know, Bob Costas or Bob Euchre. And then you're just like getting phony baloney and people playing. 
Except for um, what? Andy it's... Daly in that basketball film, um, you know, or Fred Willard in that in the best, best in show. show. By the way, Fred Willard's a huge baseball fan. Huge uh-huh. baseball fan. We're on the set of the film. Uh, one of the things public. he was reading a book about the World Series past, and he is from Cleveland. He's a big Cleveland Indian fan, and he was reading about the 1948 World Series, which the Indians won. And I made a couple. I started talking to him about the '48 series because I know enough about baseball that I'm like, you know, Gene Bearden pitched this game and this game. He's like, oh, you know that. So we started talking and, and we started uh, uh, connecting over the the '48 and '54 World Series. But um, but yeah, I put him in the booth with someone. I think that the announcer acts as it's kind of like a weird Greek chorus. You know, it's like you can get so much exposition out of the way with mm-hmm. with the announcer uh, and even a film like. I think my two favorite baseball movies are, are by the way, complete um, opposite ends of the coin are uh, The Natural and Bull Durham are my two favorite ones. And you couldn't get two more different films about baseball than that. Um, and I think the, the, the announcer plays a much less, uh, a, a, a less important part in both of those movies. Um, although the, the, you know who the announcer is in the natural, the, the voice of the, the, the announcer in the natural is Barry Levinson, the director that yeah. he, that he was doing it and he was doing the temp track because Barry Levinson is a rabid baseball fan. He did the temp track of the announcer and the editor says, you're good. And so they left the track in there. They, they, they obviously re-recorded it, but that's, that's Levinson's voice when he said, welcome to major leagues, Mr. Hobbs and all that. But, um, but the announcer, like in Bull Durham, is like, you know, this old, you know, Carolina guy, and he does a couple things. But he's really funny, too. But I don't know. It's, 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 such, a, it's such a convenient – I guess there's, there's no real – there's no announcer in the Bad News Bears. And that's, a, yeah. that's one of the best baseball movies ever made. If you – like the announcer, you're right, is such a good plot device. Like if you saw the movie uh, Furious 7, yeah. there's a whole thing with um, Kurt Russell is watching – there's a whole action scene. It's amazing. Cars are flying out of a hotel, of a helicopter or mm-hmm. airplane or something. By the way, I hope and, that series never ends. I hope no, when my too. kids, I hope when my kids have kids, we're up to Fast and Furious like thirty six. I just never. How far do you think it go? Let's put a bet. Fifteen. Fifteen. I will go. Over under. Go over. Over. You think over? Yeah. I mean, it's easily uh, getting to ten. It is easily getting to ten. Yeah, maybe we'll stop at ten. But then they got to start introducing younger people to get, you know, because when Vin Diesel gets way too heavy, because this this year they they put him in some big shirts. Like, oh, if you watch Ice T on SUV SVU Law yeah. and Order, you know he's wearing suits in the beginning, and then now he's just he's just wearing a movie. He's wearing like he's going full jerseys. Steven Seagal. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's gone Seagal. Remember, we did, I, the, I think... remember we did the Glimmer Man uh, a couple of years ago, and, and I was pointing out that he was wearing all this sort of Buddhist stuff because it was because he was so fat he couldn't tuck anything in. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to the full Seagal. I think Vin Diesel's getting to the full Seagal soon. So uh, you know they might want to replace. But uh, but you could he could be you know. But the thing that will happen is that Vin Diesel will become like the the mentor. You can always find, you know, a young, sexy, I don't know what race they are person to drive a fast car. And so 
as long as those people exist, then we can throw them in a car and have them be like and have them do weird, crazy shit. And boom, you, you know, you have my money. Yeah, I'll go see whatever. Um, I think so. What, what, oh, so the reason I brought it up was like Kurt Russell and his guy who works for him are watching these cameras. Somehow there's cameras in the air that are shooting all the things perfectly, yeah. you know, and they're commenting on it, on the action, so we don't have to at home. Right. Like, that's our <laughs> announcer. That's our Greek chorus right there. Like, oh, he's in a pickle. You know what? Yeah. I, I, oh, boy. We have to, I, I, you know, for, um, you know, how they now are splitting up. It's like Fast Five, Furious Seven. Like, the next one is going to be And, like And Nine, you know, because they just got to keep, you know, breaking the title <laughs> yeah, they, up. They got to put Bob Costas in it. They got to somehow get Bob Costas to literally be doing play-by-play of, you know. That would be great. I would, you yeah, know, then, you, then he's got to fight Vin Diesel at the end. You know, or ludicrous. Who would want to fight Bob Costas or ludicrous? Luda, right? You know him well enough to call him Luda. Call him Luda. I worked on a show and they kept calling him Luda, and that one guy would yell, "Stop calling him Luda!" But anyway, <laughs> so Luda. Uh, I love how Luda was blatantly pushing his uh, video game in Fury Seven. He's I mean, I think it, video I really think the next film they should just be using their real names. You know, just sort of like you know. That's yeah, the great thing about this is the end. They're just like, fuck it, we're playing ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Why not? This is get discredited. I think, by the way, this is completely tangential of anything. I think Nicolas Cage should just... This is the, the franchise for Nicolas Cage because he makes all these films because he's, he's in staggering debt and he just has to accept any film that's offered to him. We all know that's what's happening. So why hide it? Have his next film be... He is, has to go on a mission. He doesn't want to accept the mission. Someone tells you, if you do this movie, we'll give you X amount. You know, if you do this mission, we'll give you X amount of money, and that'll help you pay off your castle that you bought in New Orleans. And then, okay, then he gets and goes off to Bangkok or wherever he does it. I just want just this. Don't even create new names. I'm Nicolas Cage. I've got a gun, and I'm fighting people off. I would see those have movies you, every day. Have you seen the movie JCVD, Jean-Claude Van Damme? I did not see that. No, I heard. I but heard. It's, about, yeah, it's about Jean-Claude Van Damme stopping a bank robbery. That's the. I'm in. I'm, I'm now going to yeah, watch yeah. it. That's the next film I'm going to watch. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. Nicholas Cage should be just walking down the street, and next thing you know, it he's in hijinks. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't like, see that, like, and and that he can refer to things, like he can refer to The Rock, or he can refer to uh, um, Gone in sixty seconds, or refer to Raising Arizona, or the 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 vampire film where he ate the 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 bug. You know, I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. You can even have Francis Coppola appear as a cameo. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm sorry, Uncle Francis. I got to do this. Christ I, I handed you a career. I handed you a career. I put you in Cotton Club and Peggy Sue got married. And what the hell are you doing? You're an Oscar winner. Well, we're going to wrap it up. But I want to ask you, do you remember the first time that you and I met? Um, I'm, I don't know specifically. I'm going to assume it was like in Collective Unconscious. It was at open mic at uh, Gotham Comedy Club. You were hosting. I was I hosting. Scribbled, I scribbled, as I usually do. I wrote my name, all caps, my first name, and then I scribbled my last name, put my name in a hat, and you pulled it, and you go, oh, this guy took time to write his first name and didn't even bother to finish writing his second name. And then, oh, shit, that's me. He busted me. That's how I've been doing this for years. <laughs> and then I went on stage. I, yeah, I have no memory of that. 
I, I have to tell you, I hosted the Gotham Open Mic for a couple of years, and, and there were some really good, funny people who used to do that, and there were some psychopaths. And there were some people who really were like, there were a few people I was like, I really think this person may murder someone. And there was inevitably there would be one person every fucking week would come up and say, this is my first time ever doing stand up. I said, OK, well, congrats. Let's go. Let's get going. And they said, how much time do I get? I said, everyone gets five minutes. But you know, what? if you're if you run out of time or if you run out of material, you don't have to do all five. You know, you can you can leave early if you want. You know, no one's no one's you know, if you say um or er, you know, get you know, get off the stage. And he said, I don't know. And, and every week there'd be someone saying, I think I need more than five minutes. I mean, I got more material than that. And I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. And inevitably they go on stage about two and a half minutes into it. They look at me and go, what's happening? So, yeah, it's time to get off the stage. If that's it, you're out of your, you're out of material. But yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm sorry I busted you. That must have been 1997, 98. That sound right? Yeah, around that time. Yeah, yeah 97 maybe. Yeah, I remember but you at Collective. Young. That's where that's the first time I remember us getting to know each other. So that's why I said Collective. No, that's another crazy open mic night. All right, so Paul, how do we find your podcast? Um, go to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, or else just follow me on Twitter at Sully Baseball, and I post the uh, the SoundCloud and iTunes links every single day without fail. And if they want to go see your show live? Uh, shoot me an email at info at sullybaseball.com, and I'll get you on the guest list. And it will be on, if it's, you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, it'll be in Palo Alto on the 18th, which is a Saturday. And the podcast will be posted on the 20th, which is a Monday. But shoot me an email, info at sullybaseball.com, and I'll get you on there. I'm expecting 40,000 people. 40,000 40, people are expected. Or, you know, maybe a dozen. I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere, in, between, somewhere in between a dozen and 40,000 people will be there. As long as there's more than two. Yeah, more, more than us. More than us. So, I will I, be there. Yo, how, many, how many episodes are you up to? This is 177, 178. Yeah. I'll let you know in a minute. And uh, yeah. I'm up to 982. I'm up to 982. Are you really? Yeah. Jesus. 982. Yeah, that's a lot. I recorded three today, just so I can just keep going. You want, my goal is I'm going to record 365 evergreen ones. So when I die... I can keep going for a year after I'm dead. Uh, well, let me just say, baseball is so fucking boring. Who wouldn't notice? Oh! Send cards and letters to at Presents. Reach Adam <laughs> at Mac.com. Find the show, uh, ProudlyResents.com. And Sully and I, uh, I'll put links to other shows, that other movies Sully and I have talked about, including Glimmerman with um, we, we full-on Steven, Steven Seagal. Seagal. We did Fish and Save Pittsburgh, another uh, sports one, where at one point uh, it was me, you, and uh, Jeff Cesario, and Jeff and I started talking sports, and you could hear your boredom. <laughs> you could hear it because Jeff and I are big sports fans, and so we were like, we started reminiscing about basketball, because I'm a basketball fan as well, and you could just hear your disinterest. You're just sort of like, and you know, it's, it's all... It's like when you 
you ever go to Chinatown and you're in a store and they say they speak English to you and then someone comes in and they talk Chinese and you're just like I'm out until they're done talking mm -hmm. so and then they'd say oh they, here's your stuff that's how it is when you say sports Chinese relax Chinese. relax speaks it's Chinatown <laughs> on that note how can we not go out all right exactly keep it tits. Adam, that, that, we're, we're out of time for this interview. Nothing like what we have to pull out. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we're going to listen. Other than maybe talking about the Holocaust. <laughs> That's on you. <laughs> Wait, you brought it up. I, well, I, no, I, I just I brought up the Jerry Lewis film. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, you know what I mean? I think, oh, do you, this it, is my, this I, is I'm my trying podcast. to change. This is my new podcasting hairpiece here. I like it. I like it. it the pod piece? It's my pod piece. <laughs> this is right there. It's human hair. It's not mine, but it's human. <laughs>